Hello and welcome to The Falcon, episode 2. I'm your host, Clarky, and joining me again, I've got the wonderful Jesse. Hello. And the effervescent Chris. Hello. That is not a word I'd use to describe Chris. Oh, well, that's because you're you me. I think that's the Flat first time I've been described lemonade. as effervescent. Let's see, you know, I'm, I'm a lot nicer than Jesse as a host. I've been uh, described as evanescence. <laughs> bring me to life, baby. So, gentlemen, we are here on the Falcon, a footy podcast, and a grand final has elapsed. Collingwood are our official 2023 AFLM premiers, and somehow the state of Victoria hasn't burnt down yet. This is like that whole, like, not my president hashtag, but they are not my premiers. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to accept it. Nah, look, Collingwood, yeah, good, good stuff. Look, good we'll, yeah, we'll get into the match. What I really want to hear, like, oh, how did you guys experience it this weekend? Tell me, what, what did you get up to in the week that was footy? How did you get behind the grand final? Did you watch it all? Did you, uh, like me, mismanage your time and end up at the gym so you missed all of the pregame entertainment and got home just to watch the first quarter? Um, so I went to a mate's place to watch it. Very good. Uh, normally, I, I watch the the grandfather at home by myself, you know, pants off, beer in hand, as I live, as I like to live my life. But I don't know. We went to a friend's house, had some nice food, had some sausage rolls, some snags in the barbie. Classic. Uh, yeah, the, the classics, exactly. However, the connection to the TV wasn't great. And I could see Chris looking at me like, yes, you deserve this. Because, yes, Chris, I know in the past I've had grandfathers at my house and the antenna hasn't worked properly. It, All right, Chris, it was, we've moved on. It was 2013. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I'm pretty sure it was It was Fremantle versus, I think, Hawthorne. So did it matter? Free, free of Sydney? I can't. Remember. I know Free Marin in it. Uh, and I, I went to Jesse's house to watch the grand final. It was just me and him, and um, we made a, an obscene amount of food <laughs> for the two of us. It was it was ridiculous. Obscene, <laughs> obscene doesn't what begin <laughs> to justify the amount of food we made. Well, okay, set us on the path we're on now, which are not healthy ones. Are we? Are we asking logistics at this time? Can Can I ask how many? How many? Put it in. Terms of Paddy's twenty-four pack entertainer sausage rolls party pies. How many packs uh, are we talking? They were the entrees, baby. <laughs> now we had we <laughs> had treats. like like uh, sausage rolls, party pies. Of course, we had pastizis because we're cultured. We had little arancinis, I think. Yeah, um, there was probably some sort of chicken bite somewhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we even had like skewers or something. Oh, uh, yeah, you bought those skewers from the deli that I had to cook. Yeah. It was a whole thing, and it was there is a picture somewhere of it. No, I delete, I deleted that off the internet. It's it's like a mountain of food. But the the point of the story is that I spent the whole grand final that year, basically watching Jesse stand next to his TV with a TV antenna, moving it in slightly different directions, hoping that we could see some sort of picture and make out the score. It was a simpler time, you know. I was a man, I'm a man of simple means. You come to my house, I cook you a sausage roll. I cook these skewers you buy, right? And you want me to pro- provide adequate reception? Look, I feel like if you're going to invite someone over for the grand final, Jesse, the least you can do is show the thing. I thought it would work. To be fair, invite over is a, it's a. It's an interesting word in this situation. I basically was just living at Jesse's house until he told me to go at this point. 
I told him to go a few times and he didn't. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack in this relationship <laughs> here. But let's talk about the 2023 grand final. Now, Jesse, this time, this TV reception. Like, what are we? What are we talking here? There's like this, like an outdoor setup. There's like someone just being like a big box and like hunk it down on. Like it, was, a, it was like it was like a table. laptop linked to a TV sort of situation. Oh, no. And for like, no, it would work fine. That's sketchy. And then not in 2020. I don't know it would stop working. That's scuffed, bro. A Chromecast is like 50 bucks. Yeah. I don't know. Get a JB voucher for Christmas. Treat yourself. Uh, The Falcon, sponsored by JB (laughs) Hi-Fi. Friend of the show, JB Hi-Fi. Friend of the show. Um, I watched the grand final at home uh, just with my kids and my partner. Um, We were considering inviting people over, but we kind of just left it a bit too late. So we decided to just sit at home and watch it on the TV. Um, I, right before it was putting together dining, outdoor dining settings, we bought an outdoor dining, like a table and chairs and I was just swearing a lot and getting frustrated. That was my, I can't imagine you building anything, man. That's why I was swearing a lot and getting frustrated. Oh, that's fair enough. Between these stories, you can definitely tell that we are three men in our (laughs) thirties. Oh yes. Now, uh, Jesse, I actually want to mention you had themed drinks if I remember correctly, seeing on your Instagram story, Facebook story. So, so I'm a big fan of a themed drink. Um, I actually had a themed drink on the uh, election coverage many years ago, the state election. The one, yeah. And um, we all had our themed drinks. And I just, I, the the pun that comes before the drink. So I just put a picture of Dan Andrews on a can of drink, a can of beer over at Can Andrews, you know. Not Dan Candrews? No, no, no. I'm not that funny. Calm down. Um, and my mate took a photo of it and then he tagged Channel 7 and we're watching the coverage because we had an election party. Yeah, I'm pretty cool. And my, picture pops, up, my picture pops up on the TV. <laughs> Terrifying. Okay, wait, wait. It's an excuse to drink. Election parties are just an excuse to drink. I'm amazed that you had an election party and you could actually get reception on the TV. You son of a bitch. Go make a table. Um, <laughs> But this year, um, I just made gin and tonics, so Ginnivan and tonics. Um, and my whole thing was, they're just like a normal G&T, but you have to act like a little dickhead when you drink it, because I hate Jack Ginnivan. And the grandfather <laughs> did not change my mind on that. Hey, Jack Ginnivan, premiership medalist. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Once it's been said, it can't be. It's unsaid. That's it. So, should we, should we move on to the broadcast itself? Because I think... It was a tale of two halves, both in football and in grand final entertainment. Uh, I did not make it in time to see Kiss, but after seeing the halftime show, I think anything would have been better than that. So I I spent the whole week thinking that Kiss were the halftime entertainment. Why weren't they? I don't know. And then it was only in our, our um, Supercoach group chat that someone posted, oh, the entrance for Kiss was really good, and I was like, "What the hell? It's already on!" And then I quickly turned it on and watched the rest. But I thought they were going to be the halftime entertainment. I thought it was a bit odd. Do you guys like Kiss? I do, and I have since I was a kid. I do not. I don't care for them. They're yeah, fine. I, I I can't stand them I, at at all. I saw them last week for the first time without their makeup on, and it was <laughs> ro- it was rough viewing. Okay, and that's coming from me. Like I know I've got some some things going on here, but. Those men, 
here's to me, and Chris, I apologize They come across as the type of band that people who type barely legal into Pornhub would listen to. <laughs> it's a very specific <laughs> type of person. Okay. Not necessarily a legally bad person, but ooh, sketchy. Don't know about this. Don't know about this. I don't like the band. I think the performance was, was fine. It was like visually entertaining. You don't get that many good grand final performances. Really. There's only been a handful, I reckon. Um, they were miming. It was out of sync at times. But it, look, it was visually entertaining and the, the old folks and all all the uh, paid up corporates at the MCG, they liked it. Good the, 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 you're right visually like i mean and it's kiss they always put on a good show um that's what you go to see them for it's not necessarily to hear them play the songs perfectly it's for the the experience um i just feel like if you get a big name like kiss don't you don't you put them on at halftime at halftime's like the big thing like you nah, feel like afl wants to be so much like these big american sports and then blows their load before yeah. the game but you, you also wanted to play enough songs, but not have hard time going for too long. I, I, I actually don't mind what they did. I mean, so who, who performed the halftime? It was um, Kate Miller Hyde. It was Kate Miller Hyde and some guy. Is it Mark Seymour? Wait. Mark Seymour, yeah. Never got Mark Seymour. Hunters and Collectors. So they sung yeah. the, the footy song, the, the Holy Grail song. Holy Grail, yeah. The footy song, yeah. I feel really bad for Kate Miller Hyde because she's a fantastic singer, she's a great musician. She's not halftime at the grand final. It just it didn't suit. I think if that was performed anywhere else, they sounded pretty good. Like I think that was a pretty decent performance, just not right for that time. I but th- as they getting Kiss on at that time, I think getting everything out there and bringing it all back, I I, I understand why they don't do it. You don't want to tear up the turf too much halfway halfway through the game. If they're rushing in and out, it would cut the set pretty short. I I have two. So with Kiss, the thing that I found odd was the piping in of the fake crowd sounds. I thought that was odd. I didn't notice that. Yeah, there was a lot of chatter on social media about it, and if you watch it, like you can clearly tell that there's just like like there's certain points where they do something, or like the fire goes off, and there's a very obvious there's piped in fake crowd sounds, which I thought was an odd decision. Um, the the thing with Mark Seymour and Kate Miller Hyde key, I don't know why they had it acoustic. I think that was part of the big issue. They felt weird, right? Yeah, it was just it was like it was, down and not up. Yeah, it was it was a very kind of it made it a very somber down moment rather than it being half time in a grand final, which was only like a goal margin at the time, and everyone was just up and about. Who would be if you had to pick grand final entertainment? Who are you picking? Oh, good question. Is this, so? Are we talking like no holds barred, like no object? You just get them. I mean, it's not going to actually happen. So I don't give a shit what rules you follow. Foo Fighters. <laughs> Ooh, okay, yeah, that would be I, good. That would I be could. Good I, they, Dave Grohl, and the rest of the Foo Fighters, who I definitely know their names and don't ask any further questions. <laughs> um, but no, like think like you think about it, like it's Dad Rock. So it suits that criteria of the the general age populace demographic. It's it's all up mostly. Like you know, they're big hits. You know, they're going to do like Hero. They can do my Hero. Like that's the great song, right? And they play it during like the little little like half ad breaks half the time. It's on that little Friday night footy playlist. All up, all rock, baby. 
Yeah, good call. What about you, Chris? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Great content. Good stuff, Chris. You this have is every content. Band, you have every band possible in front of you. I've given you such an open... You just disappoint me, Chris. Well, you are a TV with poor reception right now. I agree with Clarky that it needs to be, um, it would need to be some sort of, the AFL feels like it needs to be some sort of rock act. Um, it, like, I loved the Super Bowl a few years ago when they did the hip hop one where they had Dr. Dre and 50 Cent appeared and Snoop Dogg and, like, that was awesome, but that wouldn't work for an AFL grand final. It just, nah. it wouldn't feel right. See, so, yeah. For me, I either, I would love to do like Australian bands. Like, if you just look like the living end, Sick. I'm 100 down down for that. But if I go international, I go Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, because they've I, been they've been headlining some shows. I I feel like they're a little bit too early because it's such a weird thing knowing that there are bands that we may have grown up with that will play the grand final for three hundred dollars yeah, a few years when time. we're sixty. No. Like <laughs> like Green Day will play the grand final in the next ten years. I will put money on that. They will get Green Day to come out and pl- play the grand final because they're not doing anything else. In tw- can you imagine, like, tw- tw- welcome to the 2042 Grand Final. Welcome to the stage. Bring me the horizon. <laughs> it's going to happen. And I feel so uncomfortable about it. <laughs> you know what? Like, that's just the nature of it, isn't it? Like, you know, I was so disappointed, actually, because I remember the rumors that it was going to be Fallout Boy. And I was like, that's kind of like the semi-perfect range, right? Where Fallout Boy are kind of old enough that, you know, the millennials who are really into footy now are like, oh, yeah, yeah I know them because I was an emo in high school. But they're still, still they're, they're still bringing out like new music that's popular. So they're kind of in that perfect little bubble. It'll happen. You know, you know who I would love to see play the grand final? Bruno Mars. He does put on a good show. He did the Super Bowl a few years ago, and it was freaking awesome. And I just he it, he'd bring the vibe. It would be a it would be an awesome. The like, thing about it is that the MCG doesn't have the technical capacity to put on a, a show, show of yeah, or a show anything other than cricket or football. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, and and one Ed Sheeran concert and an upcoming Taylor Swift concert where they put them in the little center and you pay a million dollars. But like, I'm just looking back through some of the grand final entertainment, right? 2014, Ed Ed Sheeran and Tom Jones. They got Ed Sheeran before he really blew up. Yeah. It was so strange. In hindsight, huge get. Yeah. If they could sell tickets in hindsight, it'd been great. (laughs) No, in terms of like, you know, popularity and like at the time, like they usually don't get these artists who are, like super massive yeah. sort of before that, like Meatloaf in 2011. You know guys, was, guys, you guys, was Black Eyed Peas. Are we forgetting Black Eyed Peas? I can't actually Eyed remember Peas. Black Eyed Peas. It was no good. It was no good. It was, and it, was it was the year after The Killers as well. I think The Killers has been the best in modern memory. You know who was a good one? Yeah. Not, not quite on The Killers level, but um, I think it was 2015. Brian Adams was, he was a, yeah. Good shout. The year I went, 2016, it was Sting. He was fine. And it was uh, Vance Joy, who was boring and out of key. Friend of the show. <laughs> Friend of the show. But as, as, um, 
as our friends the Black Eyed Peas would say, let's get it started and talk about the game. That's right, baby. Let's yes. get into it. With yes, <laughs> you know, Jesse, it's not as impressive I'm when the... you when you <laughs> count out how good your transition I am was. The Fergie of this podcast. <laughs> now, gentlemen, we all put in our tips for the Norm Smith medalist. Uh, just a quick reminder, Chris, you said Hugh McCluggage. Jesse, your pick was Kitty Coleman. I was clawed half time. It, it looked good. Hey, he had an absolute belter of a game, and I went safe and went Nick Dacos. I actually now, think if if Brisbane won at three quarter time, McCluggage was into third favorite. He was because he kicked two goals. He had a huge second and third quarter. If Brisbane won and McCluggage had a decent last quarter, he probably would have won it. Yeah, well, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if Brisbane won, then a whole lot of things would be. Different. I will say if Brisbane though, won, we would spend this, more of this podcast talking about the football rather than kiss. But we don't <laughs> want to talk about Collingwood. That is true. Uh, I just to shout out to myself. I did tip Bobby Hill on Twitter before the game. Yeah, because you've, you've tipped like seven different people on different social media burner accounts, okay? <laughs> you didn't say, when I reached out to you and said, hey, I'm going to put out a social media graphic over on Twitter at Falcon Footy. At Falcon Footy. There's no .com, is there on Twitter? It's Falcon Footy. I asked you, yeah. who's your who's your bets? Who's your tips? And you picked who you picked, okay? You can't be like, oh, but you see, in a dream I had. I picked Bobby Hill. No, I didn't give a shit. I think he picked the loser. Okay. There, there is textual evidence of me picking him. I'm not reading. <laughs> so, as you can tell, Bobby Hill was the 2023 Norm Smith medalist. <laughs> what a gun. And, oh, an absolute yeah. like powerhouse that whole game. That is, I think, one, one of the most deserving Norm Smith medalists I've seen. What a game. Like His most disposals. What four goals, three or something like that? Yeah. Um, his defensive efforts—I don't think have been spoken about enough. He mm. was great, but I love that he also kept his head in the game. I think most players, when they're on a bit of a roll like that, they would be like, "Oh, I'm on fire! I'll get another goal." But there's a moment—I think it was in the last one—he he passed off the Pendles to kick a goal. Like, yeah, he did. He was always on, uh, and I mean, credit to him. First year at the club, he beat cancer. What a dude, Bobby Hill, friend of the show, classy man. Classy man. Also, Bobby Hill, thank you for leading into so many good King of the Hill gifts. Thank you. <laughs> I also just feel like outside of the grand final, I feel like he was probably like keeping the North Smith aside and before the grand final, he was probably borderline recruit of the year this year. He's been so important for Collingwood's structure and just their their forward like going forward, he's been awesome. I was jokingly gonna mention that um Ford Essendon got from Melbourne, but I actually forgot his name. So, Sam Wiedemann. Thank you. <laughs> Friend of the show. You put some respect I, on his name. I can't. I can't. Um, Bobby Hill. <laughs> yeah, he, look. He he was a standout. I think, and that's the main thing, right? Like, all of these, there were so many players that had really good games. There were definitely moments where different players sort of popped up. But I think Bobby Hill was just so consistent when Collingwood were really struggling in front of goal. Like, you know, they kicked how, what, however many behinds. It was 17 plus. It, yeah, it was crazy. Ridiculous. ridiculous. Taking, taking lessons from the Melbourne school of goal kicking. I don't think... Look, there were some players that really disappeared to the background. But, like, 
Charlie Cameron's second half was incredible. Uh, again, Kitty Coleman. I feel like with Kitty Coleman, I am like the AFL getting Ed Sheeran on. Okay? Maybe I was just a little bit too early on him. Next he hits the pod. All right? Because his final series has been incredible. I think he's going to be a genuine superstar. The downside with him is he just always fades out in the second half. He always has a huge first half and then just disappears. And much like the rules you imposed on Chris, you can't just keep on saying it every year. (laughs) You'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. I will. I will definitely do. Um, But also, look, I don't don't like the fella because he left us, but Joe Danaher had a pretty decent game. Yeah, well, especially when Eric Hipwood was on a missing poster somewhere. I my my heart was in my throat when there was like a minute and a half to go and Joe played on. Yeah. The smart yeah. decision. Like that was that was really good. That was smart. He was on the ball. But I've seen him do that for Essendon and kick it out in the wing. Like <laughs> that was terrifying. But he kicked it. Good work. Uh Collingwood though, can we just talk about Pendles and side bottom? Yeah. The longest break between flags. So 13 years um, ago, they won their first flag together. And now now this one. So that's the longest yeah, time between two flags for, for a player. Is that because most players only win one? Most players don't play for 13 years, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's playing on, isn't he? Pendles? Yeah. It, it looks like it. Like he, he does not look... Well, we're talking about Pendles here. Side bottom yeah. sides look his age a little bit. Uh, but yeah. Pendles, like, I would take him at Essendon in a heartbeat. Like, what a gun player. He he has, I reckon, two years left in him, which is crazy. I kind of wanted to see him do the Joel Selwood and just, like, go out on top, announce his retirement after the game. I want to see him play 400 games as well. I'm glad he's going on. But I kind of, a little bit of me want, just wanted him to to go out on top. I wanted him to go out and retire in this game purely so Collingwood would have less chance of winning the flag next year. <laughs> I, I think he's that confident. They're, they're in a window though; they could win a, the next few, which is yeah. I was, I was about to say yeah, like why? Like I don't see. I think contrary to Joel Selwood, Pendles is still showing signs of playing some of his absolute best footy because he's got the structure around him. He is a cog, but it's not. Massively, lo- it is not massively load bearing. I think as well his style of play. Oh wait, I thought a load bearing cog. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Let's, let's Can go. you have a load bearing cog? Don't get into technical terms. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to call an engineer. <laughs> I think that. Um, get I one think under. <laughs> I think his style of play has is is the key to his longevity. He's not a kind of. Like your Joel Selwood type, where he's he's constantly throwing himself into dangerous situations or getting head knocks or injuries, and he's he's never been one who's known for his speed or his burst of burst of pace or anything. So he hasn't necessarily slowed down because he hasn't needed to. He's always been kind of one of those players where it's just he gets the ball, he assesses the situation, and he does the right thing with it. I actually found a really interesting fact about. Uh, Penderbury when I was doing my research and stuff today. Did you know he has a basketball background? <laughs> Did not know that. That may have something to do with it. <laughs> um, and I, I also found that Collingwood have an American from Texas on their team. Uh, Texas? What do we ha- Texas, what do we think about um, the big cocks? 
Uh, I'm happy for him as a person. I don't. I've never really been a huge fan of him as a player, but he seems like a nice guy. He wasn't the worst player out there. I don't know. Like Mason Cox is fine. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. He plays perfectly to the advantage that he has, which is being able to reach into the goddamn clouds to mm. pull down footballs. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like. What else is there to say? He's, he seems like a good boy. Do I feel like he um, deserved a premiership medal more than Eric Kipwood? Yeah. Uh, most, more than a lot of players, he, he deserved it. And we'll, we'll get in the moment. Can mentioned also Craig McRae? Oh, good He's Putting the little baby in the cup? Awesome. He had a child at 7.45 that morning and said, hey, my wire's across because there's football on and baby, call the kid Maggie. It's close enough. I'm off. Okay, I'm off to win. What a day! His his little his speech at the end was was very very good. Um, when he when he mentioned that, it's like you know it was already the best day of my life. Like oh, okay, you're 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 a right fly. Uh, Jesse, is this killing you to talk about the good vibes from no, Hollywood? Look, because yeah, I also uh, want to mention the other good vibe from that, which is Darcy Moore. Darcy Moore receiving the cup from his dad. That was a hell of a moment. That is that was uh, great. That's. Once in a lifetime, like holy crap! I I need to go on Fiverr to ask somebody to do some like visual effects stuff to put Darcy Moore not in a Collingwood jumper when he runs out because I want to be able to watch that footage again and again. That is the happiest I've seen a person. Like he has this like childlike joy in his eye when he runs out because he knows like win or lose doesn't matter. I'm leading this club out on the biggest day. Yeah, that, like. It's he not super like often as well. People. I don't think it's often as well that you actually get a chance to know that there's a moment where your parent is proud of you. I'm yet to have it. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I'll play that grand final one day. <laughs> so, look, I, th- I think we should we should discuss this. So, I want to hear what what went right for the Pies on the day to get them across the line. And what went wrong for Brisbane? Brisbane played very well. I think they were probably a bit more conservative and couldn't break through. We talked last week about Collingwood's defense being the key, I think, to really preventing Brisbane from getting that high scoring, really fast momentum. And it seems like that's where I think it kind of unraveled for Brisbane, where they weren't able to penetrate that wall, which is surprising. Are you asking me, are you asking my inner cynic? Or are you asking me genuinely what went right, what hey, went wrong? Hey, you live your best life, baby. Look, I think last week I probably went a bit too hard in Collingwood, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ease up a little bit there. Um, I I think Fagan was completely outcoached in that last quarter. Yeah, it felt that way. Um, Collingwood just shifted uh, up until the last fifteen minutes or so. I really felt it was gonna go either way. Collingwood just shifted gears, and then I thought, okay, Brisbane have an uphill uphill battle here, and they didn't change their game style to suit. I think everyone's heard about Collingwood doing these drills of how to, you know, outlast tight games and things like that. And you know they're going to chip it around, and they're going to be conservative with their ball use, go around the edges, da-da-da. Fagan didn't, well, Brisbane just didn't react to it, and they just thought, let's just keep playing our, our game style. They needed to adapt at some point. Uh, I think it really came down to that. I mean, look, and look, and there's, there's, there's no day. shame. There's no shame in making the grand final and getting out coached. Oh, no, 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 no. There it's is. It's the toughest game of the year to coach. <laughs> no, no, no. There's, there's shame to be had. 
you gotta have shame, Clark. You gotta have shame. Shame makes you better. Okay, I, that's why I, I'm the solid gold man that I am today. Okay, shame. I I do and agree. And not at all unhinged. <laughs> I do agree with Jesse that um, shame you, is good. <laughs> shame. You is heard it here, close. The Falcon, a footy podcast. Shame call is me, good. Shame makes me you better. Sh- call me Shame Wowoden. <laughs> Um, Sorry, anyway, Chris. moving on from that, uh, I do agree that, that particularly for me, it was um, that the first half of the last quarter, there was only like one goal kicked or there was, wasn't even a goal kicked for like the first 15 or 20 minutes of the last quarter. And I feel like Collingwood just shut it down. Brisbane kept trying to go forward, but Collingwood just completely shut it down. And it made the game incredibly tense to watch in a good way. It wasn't like Collingwood made the game boring. It wasn't like they just kept possession and just chipped it around the back. They just shut everything down. And then that was, what again, what they did towards the end. Brisbane got a goal and Collingwood, as Jesse said, shifted gears and were able to match them. Like when, Char- I think it was Charlie Cameron kicked that goal and then instantly the instant reply from Dugowie, straight from out of the centre bounce. Yeah. Like they just knew when to shift gears and when to go, okay, we're back into attacking mindset. And I just, yeah, it I, th- I think it's just a masterstroke of a coaching. I think that Craig McRae has been incredibly big for that club. I think as well, there was probably like a bit of an on-field vibe it felt from Brisbane that they were waiting for Collingwood to make a mistake yep. instead of trying to force them to make a mistake. And yep. like, I get it. Like it's the fourth quarter. You're at like max fatigue at that point. Rotations are lower. Like, you know, you're not getting as much of a break and they needed something to break it open. And there was a... There was a point where it felt like Brisbane had kind of just snuck away in. And then, like you said, like Collingwood switch it back on and Brisbane just couldn't keep up. Yeah. I think over the last few years, when it comes to like the dominant teams, everyone talks about their, their specific systems. And when they play that system really well, they're unbeatable. I feel like almost the way that Craig McRae's coached these players to have a lot more freedom in the way they play has made them all so much more adaptable to different game styles. So rather than having this one set of, you know, position stuff and movements that work for us every single time, they can flick between which ones and players know their role because they have the, the freedom to kind of try out new things, you know, take risk. And it just, it worked. That, the team's mental dynamic is something I wish Essendon had. And that really hurts to say. Like, look, this is a genuinely exciting time to be a Collingwood fan. Because they're good. And it's not just like, hey, this is like, clubs can win the grand final. And it's like, they're good, but this is like their year. They need to win it this year or they weren't going to do anything. No, I think this is the start of a very strong period for Collingwood. Well, that was, oh, yeah. that was how it felt with Geelong last so year as well. It was Geelong winning it last year was kind of like, okay, this was really they had the, yeah. Yeah, their chance to win it. Yeah, I, I think we can expect both of these teams to be in the top four um, again. Like, I, yeah, I would not be surprised at all if, if it shakes out that way because both of these teams on their day, like, just no no chance. And I say that as Melbourne barely scraped into that four, um, you know, and speaking, looking at my own team and going, why the hell does a mine look like that? <laughs> so yeah. I, I, get, I get exactly what you're saying, Jesse, but look, there was a little bit of controversy because 2023 couldn't leave us without one final horrific-looking umpire call. 
Now, it was close. It was at the tight end of the game. A free is called for Brisbane going into the inside 50. The ball is kicked by the Brisbane player. Was it Zach Bailey? Zach Bailey said Lockie Neal was tripped uh, by Quaynor, I think it was. Yeah. Goes to Bailey. The whistle goes off for a free kick. Yeah. He was being tackled at the time. His shoulder. Yeah. And it was considered an advantage play. Yeah. And look, there are a lot of moments in just about every football game that you can go, well, if this wasn't called then that could, it could have switched the momentum or it could have affected the result. And that's not untrue entirely. But at the same time, I think to I think it degrades Brisbane, right, to put it down to one bad umpire call. Like that, I think that's doing them a disservice to go, well, you know, sometimes the calls just don't go your way, right? Like it was a horrific call from the umpire, but they're also just regular people who do this for, you know, a handful of hours a week, right? No. <laughs> no? No. <laughs> no, look, it's one of those annoying things where as much as I want to, like, rant and rave and be like, our oh, Brisbane should have won, that decision was wrong. I think you can't look at that objectively and say that that was the right call. But that did not lose them the game. The rest of the four quarters lost them the game. Their lack of attack, the lack of being adapting to Collingwood's play, that lost them the game. And if we wanted to, you know, if you want to be like, oh, well, this could have gone that way, this could have gone that, um, that way, Collingwood also missed 28 shots on goal. Any, you know, a few of them go through and it, it would have been uh, over pretty early. I think there was a tweet that summed it up where um, someone said that call didn't lose Brisbane the game. It lost them a chance at winning the game. And that was like ultimately everything else that led up to that that point cost them the game because they didn't get themselves ten goals in front. Um, it was it, it they weren't guaranteed to win from there. They weren't guaranteed to kick a goal. It was they had they would have had a chance, but they were not guaranteed to win. Mm-hmm. But if I could just put my cynic hat on for a second, I mean, look, if Maynard can get off and Nick Dacos can take Toby Green's head off, why would the umpires not doing the job now? Taking the hat off, taking the cynic hat off. It's off. Off, safe again. Okay, <sighs> I need to get that out of my system. We can all agree that that was the wrong call, right? Uh, I I didn't like it in the moment. There has been some talk of that under the the letter of the law, it was the correct rule. So I think that it's if you kick the ball forward, then it is counted as advantage. Yeah, but like the letter of the law, I think if the game was adjudicated to the letter of the law, it'd be a very very different game. Yeah, They'd, I agree. There needs to be some flexibility in those rules. and I mean, there would have been a bunch of other calls happening in that game if we were to go by the letter of the law. I think... I Look, I'm just not into the umpire bashing of it all. I think we need to get to a point, right, where... <laughs> okay, this is going to be one of the hottest takes of this version. But there's obviously... There's a simple version, right, which is this game is getting ridiculously hard to umpire because you're either to the letter of the law and people don't like that or you know people go oh well the games the umpires are blowing the whistle every two seconds and then they're like oh well maybe we should let the game play out more and then people don't like that either because it might not be the the advantage of their team or anything like that so i think when you have to remember as well that the umpires are at ground level right like we get the benefit of having 
a wide, high camera view of seeing everything. So it's easy to sit at home and go, well, this happened or that happened or this happened. But really, you know, they instituted for umpires. But if the umpires aren't looking in the right directions or if they're, they don't see the whole play or something's obstructed or anything like that, like you end up with these bad calls. I think it's partially the fans' fault <laughs> that we end up with stuff like this, right? Where, like, I've never enjoyed advantage as a rule generally because I'm like, well, no, just give them the kick, right? Unless they kick a goal directly from it. Like, I hardly think of a time where there's been a true advantage. Oh, I disagree with that a fair bit. You would. You you, you could tactically give um, t- uh, cost a free that way too much and let, it gives you time, your team time to set up. There's a whole thing that people reckon that Collingwood broke that 66 rule at the end so they could then readjust their players. And they, gave, they it was like, if they gave away a free, then they could have flooded back and all this other thing. I think to get rid of the advantage call would be detrimental in too many cases to the the team who got the free. But then there's cases like this, right, where it just ended up costing them an opportunity. I I'm Like, look, I still, like, saying the call's wrong isn't attacking the umpire. I think, yeah, I think Alpine did a, did a good job. Oh, no, 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 I don't mean specifically. Hard, hard, very, very hard job. And I think it all came down to uh, Bailey didn't hear the whistle because there was 125 people yelling at one time. And he was Pretty being tackled while it, when it went off. He had an arm around exactly. his neck. So, look, I think it was just... AFL's too complex to get things right every single time. Yeah. But you still need to call out things that were wrong. I think they need to just have the presence of mind to call it back and go, no, nah, no, nah, I got it wrong. I think right? Like, what we can what we can say here safely is Brisbane should have won. I think we can all agree on that. Like, <laughs> not not not. I'm not saying because it's umpiring call, just like they should have won. You know, we wanted them to win. I tipped Collingwood. <laughs> I think I think the correct team won. <laughs> That's my time. I think Collingwood have been firing away the best team this year. And it was first, it was first v second in my head. Like it was literally like these are the top two teams. Let's see what happens. And Collingwood were the better on the day for the reasons that we've covered. Yeah. Um, what do we think about the medals? Yes. So Billy Frampton is a premiership player with a medal and everything. They gave him a real one. It's not just like, a not just like one a, well, yeah. I imagine they. I would have just given him a chocolate one and given his to like Taylor Adams or Dan McStay. Now, there is a discussion of who should get a premiership medal. This is, I feel like this pops up every one one or two years. Like it was a very hot topic after the 2016 grand final with Bob Murphy and everything. Um, get over it, Chris. You won a grand final in 2016. I know, and I'm still hanging on to it. Um, my my opinion is, I don't think that like there's there's a few schools of thought that any player who's played a game that season has contributed to the success. I don't agree with that. I think that there should be a, a minimum amount of games that has to be played, whether it's ten, whether it's fifteen. The the other the other suggestion I've seen is that any player who played during the final series should get one. Like I don't mind that, but like then you're still just limiting it because there's a lot of players who 
like not many teams change their structure or change their team during the final series unless they're forced to through injury. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like there should be a minimum amount of games played throughout the year. I don't know what that amount of games is, but I don't know if it's fifty percent or or what it, what it is. But yeah, um, probably the the biggest surprise to me, and it also seems to be quite a surprise to a lot of people, is that the assistant coaches don't get a medal, which I I did not know that, and I just I find that odd. I assumed that they would. Yeah, so did I. But no, it's like, the all the the like players. Give it the head a head of departments, sure. Yeah. Like. No, it's the players, and then the coach gets the Jock McHale medal, and that's it. So none of the assistant coaches or anyone that get a medal. A bit gross. Yeah. So Tim Michelle uh, works with Harold Sun, very close to the super coach. He had a poll on his Twitter uh, for medals for Grand Final twenty three players, or and he's got a list of options here that has, has had eighteen hundred votes. Uh, so it's either just the 23, anyone who played a final, anyone who played a game, or every listed player. Now, every listed player polled in at 7%, so quite low at the lowest. There's uh, so many VFL players voting. Yeah. <laughs> like, <please laughs> All of them. <laughs> please. I'm in hell. Sorry, I like how I'm teasing VFL players like the little dweeby nerds. <laughs> I'm hosting multiple podcasts. Okay? I'm nothing to these people. They can bash me. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they got who was it that got his little buns out at the VFL uh, from Collingwood? Was it Nathan Murphy? Oh, was it Ash Johnson? <laughs> Ash Johnson, that's Ash it. Johnson. Yeah, Ash Johnson probably made all these burner accounts and voted. like, yeah, I want a medal as well. Cover yeah. up these cheeks with it. Got his little buns <laughs> out. Um, but the interesting thing that I think out of those 1,800 votes is that just the 23 and anyone who played a game would very close. So 37.9% said just the 23. 36.4% said anyone who played a game. And I think anyone who played a game is the wrong answer. And yeah, you know, I, I think I think this poll was a bit flawed because I saw it as well. There was no option for X amount of games. Yeah. I, I think yeah. meeting in the middle with say 10, 15, whatever it is. Well, that's it. So ah. looking at this thread as well, Damo, uh, my friend Damo, host of Footy Mailbag. Uh, I'm his we- friend as well, sir. <laughs> Sorry, co-host, my co-host on the Pretty Mailbag. He (laughs) suggested that 15 games uh, with a certain amount after round 16 is is the magic number, which I feel is a good number. No, I think think it's just too complicated. Now, to me, it's round 15. Doesn't matter how many games after after the fact. Like, if if you help win the first, you know, 10 games of the season, then you get injured. You've put your team in the position they need to be. Or yeah. in, in, in as much as it pains me to say this, uh, in the case of John Noble, where he played virtually every game for the whole year up until the finals and then got dropped. And some of those games were close games where he played it. And it pains, I, I hate having to say this because I really don't like John Noble. <laughs> he was huge in some of those games and probably won them the game. I remember there was one in particular where he was massive in the last five yeah. minutes. And... Um, like, yeah, he's the type of player that I think of where I'm like, yeah, he probably deserved a medal. But I did enjoy seeing him cry. Oh, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're an absolute us, monster. That's evil. That's evil. Um, yeah. I think we're, we're all in agreement here, right? The sensible answer is just to keep it the way it is and give the assistant coaches the extra medals. Because I yeah. think it, it's too complicated once you get into, well, oh, old mate played 10 games, but he played in like eight losses. So how much did he really help the team? You know what I mean? 
like how like people will start getting into the nitty gritty and it starts detracting i think away from the metal a little bit i would like to see clubs do individual awards um like they can do it publicly or they can do it behind closed doors but i'd like to think that they do have some kind of gesture kind of like when i was in like people. under under 14s oh, and i won most determined yeah they give you like a little happy meal voucher Christ. <laughs> You go get your little Happy Meal hmm, with a little Sonic game toy. Um, I will. You got more medals than John Noble did this year. Yeah, there, there is, um, there is a flaw in the whole play X amount of games throughout the year. So I will use Billy Frampton as an example. If the rule was that you had to play fifteen games, he would have played on Grand Final Day and not gotten a medal. No, okay. Right, right, right. I think we're looking for, we're looking for too many little breaks here. I think it's, this is super simple. If you play 15 games during the season, you get a medal. If you play Grand Final Day, you get a medal. Everyone different gets medals. medals. No, same same medals. You no, were, get them you, different medals. Get them the chocolate ones. Okay, whatever it needs to be. Okay, we're just gonna go around. Billy Frampton must know that he did not deserve give, one. Give, oh, no, okay, he played a game. Give John right. Noble a box of chocolates. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> favorites. Right. Give him some favorites because he's some people's favorite. Give um, Billy Frampton. Uh, what's the shit chocolate? <laughs> Like Roses? some American chocolate. You know, the real dusty type? Hershey's. Give him some Hershey's. He can run around the park on a sugar high with that. <laughs> Enemy of the show. <laughs> we need to stop announcing enemies and friends. All right. So we've wrapped up the grand final, I think. We've got a little bit of time scheduled out here. Some, some trade stuff that's going around. Uh, hey, Chris, great news for you. Aaron Norton is locked in until he's dead. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yes, yeah, so it, well, it was just announced before we started recording. So it was literally Breaking like... News. I feel like we should was, cover the good news. It was about 10 minutes before we started recording this. It was announced. Um, yeah. Odd time to announce it from the Bulldog social media team when it was halfway through the Charles Sutton medal. That's fine. Um they apparently put it up on the screen at the at the Charles Sutton Medal and everything. So, I like to imagine that somebody was like giving a speech or something. Yeah, and just like not not related to Aaron Norton at all. Hopefully, it was like, never, <laughs> and they just cut him off. Just, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, it's like um, it's like Rory Lobb, <laughs> Rory Lobb standing there. And he's <laughs> Is like, Rory Lobb looking for a new club? I don't about, know. About, that man's a clown. <laughs> there's rumors he's not happy. Um, and who could have predicted this? But but um. No, Aaron Norton signing until 2032, eight-year extension, which... I'll be dead by then. It was interesting because it was well, it was only yesterday that his agent confirmed, no, he won't be going anywhere this year, he specifically said, and then... He's not, not going right. anywhere ever, please. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up, hold up, because our next story says yeah. that may not be the case. Um, and then a few hours ago, it was all of a sudden, it was reported by the AFL that uh, there was the talks had ramped up and that he would be... He's expected to sign an extension, and then like two hours after that, it was announced that he signed for eight years. So, no, I'm really happy. As I said to you guys when it was announced, I'm hoping that the next two kind of dominoes to fall is Jamara and English. Or you can send um, Jamara to Melbourne. Well, there's there's been heaps of rumors lately that apparently Essendon are into Jamara. And Who wouldn't be though? Jamara Uguayan yeah. is a talent. Yeah. I actually think he's more important for us to sign than Norton. I was hoping he was going to be announced I agree. first. I, I, I actually also agree. There is just he, the sky is the absolute limit for Jamara. Um, so yeah, but stoked with Norton, but hoping those two fall fall next. 
That's it. Todd Goldstein might be heading to your boys, Jesse. Might be. He is. It's done. Done. Done deal. He's coming on over. I'm, I'm actually really happy with it. I know there's a whole thing of like, well, why would you get an 800-year-old Rockman? Which makes sense. But so they can train Sam Wiedemann to be your next Rockman. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Draper's broken his legs or something like that. So he won't be playing for the first half of next year. What is but the I injury think- that Draper did? His legs. I just told you. <laughs> Broken. What are you dead? What do you, what, you, what do you want from me? I'm not a doctor. Look, he he, he he's I don't know. He's he's guffed up. I don't know. But um, Goldie's going to be a really good fill in Ruckman. But I think the best thing he will bring is some um, guidance for Draper and Brian. We're getting him for nothing. I I think that's a, a really really good move for Essendon. I, I'm I'm. Stoked about that. I like Goldie. It's a groin injury that Draper has. His legs, Chris. Um, Where's he groin it? Your legs. As as I said to you guys when the Goldie thing was announced, as an outsider, I thought it was a bit odd, but um, I get it, and I, I think that it'll be invaluable for the 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 mentorship that he'll give to Draper and the the coaching that he'll give as well. Yeah. Um. And Clark- no other news. There was no other trade news. It's all it's all wrapped up now and we're just waiting for March next year. All wrapped up in a neat little package. Uh no. <laughs> because there the only situation messier than this is this player's hair. Clayton Oliver. What started off as a rumor of ah, oh, you know, they're gonna shop Clayton Oliver around, which we all scoffed at, because that is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And that was only that only started last night. This it is has all been happened less than in twenty four hours, hours. Yeah. and now it looks like um, due to various issues or who knows, Clay Oliver may be getting chopped around a little bit. Clubs are interested. Uh, apparently, senior, well, you know, leadership teams at, at clubs have been asked, "What do you think about getting Clayton in here? How would this look?" Apparently, the front runners are Adelaide and Essendon. Essendon have nothing to give but their love. We don't have many picks. Well, it's, <laughs> we, so it's, it's been reported that apparently Oliver is open to a move to Adelaide as well. I, it's one of the things where there's been some ridiculous reporting over the last few days. I Pre-trade period sucks so much. This 24-hour news cycle that we get with tradings, it's just... It's the news reporting on the news, and it's just awful. I saw Trade Radio had, I think that they got like maybe a Phil Davis to give his list of if nobody was contracted, who would be the best players to get? Oh, it was an odd okay. list. It was a strange, strange list. Also, it was a meaningless list, it yeah. meant nothing, purely hypothetical. Tom Green's on the list, Toby Green's on the list. Like, it's all who gives a shit? Just put a bunch of GWS players, because that's what he did. But there were, like, death threats in the comments. It's <laughs> like, everyone, please, stop. This is nothing. This isn't content. You're just yelling. You're all in the same room yelling at each other. It was so strange. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much enjoying this. Let's cut through all that, though. Clarky, how you feeling? I hate trade period, exactly for this reason. Um... The talk that goes around some of the players, I think, is outrageously disgusting at worst. 
In terms of not talk pers- about our Facebook chat like this. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of in terms of personal discussion about players' lives or players' things like which I'm not going to go into, um, but particularly relates to the Clayton Oliver situation. Um, if for any reason there would be sort of some kind of souring in Melbourne's relationship with Clayton Oliver, I think it would probably be related to how his injury was handled this year. Yeah. That shoulder injury, the foot injury, there was a significant amount of mystery around that from a public view. And there was that footage of him with the trainers at the time sort of going, I'm good, I'm good. And they're like, no, no, you're done. So he he got a knee injury late in the season. He actually went to a non-club doctor about it after that. Yeah. So... (sighs) It's it's really hard to tell, and I I personally don't enjoy the aspect of this that sort of preys on because there's some wild stuff going out there around the reasons why Clay, Clayton would want to move from Melbourne, um, and it's not ju- it's not just him. Like there's there's lots of things going around about lots of different players, especially this time of the year. Like I said during the trade period, my feeling on it is that he's just started a seven year deal, and. How like how do you move on a player like that? Like it, it's it's, it's ridiculous. Seven Clayton years Oliver, at a million dollars a year as well. Yeah, like it's it's massive. Like it it's just it's not something that's super feasible. I think for Melbourne, we're already losing Grundy. Probably going to end up paying part of his salary if he goes to I believe Sydney are the current front runners for that. That's almost as good as inked, really. Um, if Clayton Oliver ends up going anywhere and we're covering costs of his salary. How many players are we going to pay play, pay for that aren't playing on our list? So I, like, I think a big part of Clayton Oliver will be wherever he goes. I, I think Melbourne's going to say, look, we're not paying for anything else. It, they, that club needs to cover anything, everything. And I think that's the only thing that Essendon has in its favor. They could do that pretty easily right now. I we th- have a lot of money. I think the interesting thing is how badly they want him to go. As to if they're going to pay part of his salary, and I yeah, think that I think that will be the telling part is if they do end up paying part of his salary, then you'll kind of know that the relationship between him and the club broke down, and they wanted him out. I also think it's it's October, right? Like, there's a lot of things that can change. There's a lot of things mm. that can change in between now and then. Like, it's it's just the off season. Our final series was absolute crap. Like, in terms of a way to go out and those kinds of things. We've had forward line issues all year that have had us losing games where we felt like we we should have won. Melbourne's problems sort of run, run I think, a little bit deeper than what's currently on the surface. While we're not completely upturned and it's not all downhill, it's there's a lot of things that can happen between now and then. I think there's going to be some mediation or some kind of discussions that need to take place with Clayton to see where he's at and what Melbourne's willing to do, right? Hey, it could be a silver lining. I think you guys played really well without him. Tracker stepped up, Viney stepped up. You guys played super well without him. If you were to lose him, but you were able to fix up your forward line, you know, that's a win. You mentioned losing. You mentioned losing Grundy before. That's a financial thing. Doesn't affect your team at all because you weren't playing him anyway. Losing. Without Oliver, you guys played pretty damn well this year. And I, I don't know. I, I don't mind the idea of losing a player you can afford to lose. I, I feel like you guys can afford to lose Clayton. 
Let's not forget that it was exactly three years ago that we were all having the same discussion about Collingwood for offloading Trelaw and Grundy. Was it Grundy at the time? Or did he go a year after? Um, But they offloaded arguably their two best players and agreed to pay a hell of a lot of their salary. And now they've won a flag out of it. I forgot that is another negative of Collingwood Collingwood winning a flag. We were right. No, you were fine. It's just how you went about it. And I think that's the thing, right? Like, it all comes to how how we choose to go about it. That's going to be how it's perceived. I love Clayton Oliver. I think even if we don't have him, yeah, sure, we'll be fine. Like, we've got guys, we've got Angus Brayshaw, we've got Tom Sparrow, we've got all these guys waiting in the wings of the VFL. To Trent come in. Rivers. Trent Rivers would be a fantastic mid. He's got a very good kid. I love Trent Rivers. Um, and that's fine. But, like, I, I'd i hate to see it go like this for a, a kid who him and Petrarca were... Like, him, Petrarca, and Viney are, like, the uh, the midfielders that we have set for our plans. And we've it's been that way for so many years now. Like, it'd just be a shame, I think. All that I, all that matters though is as long as he is okay, you know. Like we'll um, you just want the revisit best the this post trade trade period. That's it. And Clarkie will have his Harley retattooed on his chest. <laughs> That's what I was just because Melbourne have somehow managed to get him in all of this. God damn it! <laughs> but, like, I feel have a foam finger on with Harley's number one fan. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Like I don't. I don't feel that way about it, right? Where I'm not going to be like, yeah, like yeah, it's great that we get whatever. But it's still about what we're losing, right? Like, there's a lot of history. Premiership player, like, has been stalwart of the club. I think, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit this at the end of trade period. I think I've rambled enough. Especially because it's completely come out of nowhere. It's different yeah. when you when the relationship breaks down throughout the season and you know that a player is probably going to request a trade at the end. This has all happened within the last 24 hours, so it's very fresh, and we've all been very shocked by it. Also, just want to... Um, before we wrap up, I just want to... You said premiership player. Like, that term carries any fucking weight anymore now that Billy Frampton's one as well. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's nothing. I'm a premiership player for all it's worth. doesn't matter. Hey, hey J- Fletcher James Roberts. Hans? Fletcher Roberts is a premiership player. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> I think that'll do us for this week. Um, we've rambled enough. You can find the Falcon... F- a footy podcast you can find us on twitter and instagram at falcon footy pod you can also find us individually at chris you're at uh lowry underscore 16 and jesse jesse spanner and you can find me at quantum jc on twitter we're also part of the story mode network so you can check out our sister shows love letters jesse which you are the host of that's me and dialogue options. So thank you very much for joining us, listeners, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace. See ya.